Welcome to episode 245 of Life Song Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. I'm Blake Shankel. I'm Mike Wells. Philip Dean Ramsey. Well, hello, guys, and welcome into another edition, another episode. And this is actually the first time we've ever recorded live with uh, with people around. With real people. That's right. Yeah, we're here at the Heritage Day Festival today. Covington, 2019 Heritage Day Festival. So we're out here. You may hear some background noise. and but that we're doing it right here on, on, on the spot. That's right. That's right. And uh, we have had a great time out here today. We have uh, met so many people and had an opportunity to, uh, to visit and, and, and share Christ with, uh, with so many people today. And that's been a wonderful opportunity uh, that, that, uh, that the Lord has afforded us here. Uh, it just opened up doors and opened up uh, opportunities to have conversation. It's been such a, a blessing for me. I know I've been blessed probably more than the people that we've talked to. Yeah, and, and you know we've had a lot of rejection. Also, I think we need to, I think we need to be upfront and forward about oh, that. We've had several people, which is you know which is fine. But we, I, I can I, we can call out names if you want. Well, I wrote them down. <laughs> we'll post them tonight. No, I'm just kidding. But it's been a wonderful day. Like I said, uh, a lot of good conversations. Uh, Blake did an excellent job with. Uh, we got some. What do you want to call it a game? Would you call it a game? Yeah, I would. It's an IQ test. Yeah, an IQ it's test. It's an IQ test. Yeah, we've. You can explain. It's it's a poster we have. Well, basically what it is, it's a way to break down some barriers, just kind of have a good time yep. and, and test people's IQ yeah. uh, real quick, fun. And, and as you break down and kind of have a little fun with it, you're able to share some truth, just showing how deceptive our mind, yeah. our eyes can be. And it's been great to watch Blake. He had a big group of guys around him from the Covington football team. And, and man, sharing that with those teenagers walking away, they're like, man, I need to get back in church. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been good, man. I had a great time. It does. It allows us to be able to laugh about it and have fun. It's just like you said, it's an icebreaker. And so we've been able to do that. We've been out here passing out this track called What Time is Purple. And, it, and it's funny. I don't, did y'all tell about it last time on, on the radio? about no, how we, no, well, we didn't. It, just real quick, I'll tell about it. This uh, Wretched Radio, they uh, they give this, this tract out called What Time is Purple. It's a little booklet. You may have seen it around town. But anyway, they give it out to us, and they allow us to be able to pass it out for free. They, we don't have to buy it. So what we what, what we did was, me and Phil, a couple weeks ago, we were able to pass it out at the, uh, the football game. Yeah. The Brighton Covenant football game, and so we were sharing it, and we took some pictures, and I sent it in to Wretched Radio to Todd Friel, and it was funny because he attached the email to this guy by the name of Tom Hammond, and Tom Hammond reached out to me, and Tom Hammond is the author of yeah. What Time Is Purple. Where's he live? He lives in, and it's what's interesting is, is he lives in Hall, Tennessee. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So I mean, from from Hall, Tennessee to Atlanta, right Georgia to Covington, Tennessee, it's been great. So we reached out to Tom, and uh, Tom was gracious to come by our tent today, our life song booth. Yeah, he drove down, and we had an opportunity to meet him and. Uh, Spend a little bit of time and talking with him, and uh, he's just a great guy, just a real down to earth uh, guy. And so uh, I was, I was great. Yeah, Blake I was... forgets to introduce him to me, and so here I am trying to give him his own book. <laughs> he said, "Hey, like... hey, Mike said, Did you get one of these books?" He said, I, I'm, "I'm, I'm good, man. I, think I, 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 I got know it. all about it." <laughs> so yeah, we've had some great encounters. I mean, the Lord has just blessed us today, and. And, uh, yeah, we just thought today, guys, that we were going to do the radio show out here, just kind of out in the midst of everybody. What a great environment to be a part of and just do our radio show, our weekly radio broadcast, and uh, to be able to share the word. We've been able to share the word in the gospel form. Now we'll be able to, to, uh, to do it, uh, do, you know, be able to uh, teach the word through the Bible. And you, out of all the people that we've talked to, and we've talked to probably hundreds, I would say, Blake uh, talked to a couple a few minutes ago, and they were literally out of the hundreds of people we have talked to, one couple gave the right answer. Explain yeah. that, Blake. Yeah, normally we ask. A lot of times a, a big red flag is, is we'll ask, are you a good person? And most people say, yes, I'm a good person. Well, we know as redeemed Christians, as people of, of the Lord, is 
no one's good, right? Christ said, he says, no one's good but the Father. And, you know, in Romans, we've gone through three, is no one is good. And so usually the, the right answer that we're looking for is, is absolutely, I'm not good at all. I'm wretched, but Christ is. And, and that couple, that was the one couple today that yeah. gave us the right answer today. And so we were able to share, not have to, we, we obviously shared the gospel a little bit more with them, making sure, you know, making sure their calling right. and election is, is sure. But, but, man, they were solid. So, solid as uh, a rock. Absolutely. So that's, that's man, that's awesome. Yeah, praise the, the Lord. Way. Can I say this just for a bit of encouragement for those that are listening? This stuff that we're doing, just kind of some street evangelism is, I think in every encounter that each of us have had, Nobody's walked away mad. That's a great. You know, no. It's always been out of love. You know, I think genuinely it is. We just want to love on everybody. And even through some differences that we may have, it's just, hey, brother, I love you. That's why I'm sharing truth with you. That's yeah. right. I've heard that said many times today, and nobody really walking away just angry, yeah. even even in some of the yeah. opposition that we've yeah. had. Well, Ray Comfort yeah. says this. He says, he says, do you think, you don't think I'm scared when I go share the gospel? He says, I'm frightened when I'm doing that. You know, he says, look, I'd rather go be doing something else, right? And he says, but... It's my obedience to the Lord. The Lord has commanded us to do it, and we do it. You know, and I was thinking about this, man. I was on my knees this morning before the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, right? Mm. The Sovereign King. And someone says, "Man, do not get scared." It's like not when you become, not when you come face to face with God, you don't, you don't get scared. That's right. That's you know, right. You, you come to face to face with the King, that nothing frightens yeah. you. There's comfort there. There, there, there is. There, there, I, said there is this, I said this morning during our prayers. Like, look, why are we out here doing this? We do it because He is worthy. He That's why we're all out here doing this. He is this. worthy. Absolutely, man. That's so right. it, we have had a fantastic day. It's been so great to be out here with my brother brothers in Christ, to be able to see other brothers and sisters in Christ, people stop by, but uh, but thank you yeah. to those who have supported us, and you know, here we are, back in Romans. Again. That's right, that's right, we left off uh, where we last left you is uh, Romans chapter, uh, we were in chapter 7, but we kicked off Romans chapter 7, and, uh, and now we're, we're, we're coming to uh, ch- verse 7, we, we, we went through the first six verses a, a couple of weeks back, and, uh, and so uh, we'll run through that, catch you up here in just a second, uh, but real quick before we do, let me, read, uh, let me read a few verses of our text today, uh, what we're going to cover, and then uh, we'll pray and get started, alright, so Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Uh, Paul writes, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, for I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind, for apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was the which was to result in life proved to result in death for me for sin taking opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. And Lord, I just I just come to you now humbled and thank you for the opportunity that you've given us and you've given this ministry to stand and share your word with people today. Lord, I just thank you for, for allowing us to be a light in such a dark a dark area and such a dark community and to speak to people and, and to share truth with people and let them know who they are before you. And, and that's the first thing we have to understand before, before we can be made right in your sight. We have to understand understand that we are wretched in your sight. We are your enemy. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share that with people today. Lord, I ask you now, I pray for every conversation that we had, for every encounter that we had. I pray for every track that we handed out that gets read today or, or five years from now. Lord, I pray that, that, that uh, you would illuminate hearts to the truth. 
of the word and of your gospel today. Lord, I, th- I pray that you would give increase to every encounter that we've had today. And uh, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity again. I thank you for this study as we come to the table and to study your word. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and their preparation. I thank you for uh, giving us again this opportunity to open up your word and come and dine upon your word. Lord, I'm asking you to bless this time now, illuminate us and uh, open our minds to the truth and speak through us now. We love you. We give you all honor, praise, and glory. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We find ourselves here in the middle of Romans chapter 7 and uh, uh, verse 7, and Paul really focuses upon the law here. And uh, it's, it's evident by, you know, good hermeneutics uh, teaches us that when, uh, when a writer constantly writes over the same thing over and over again, uh, he, he, he's screaming it out loud. And so what Paul's doing here is first and we find here in uh, uh, the law written three times in verse 7. Once in verse 8, once in verse 9, and once in verse 12. It's a total of six times in these verses, right? In addition to the law, the word of commandment is found six times in these same verses. So a total of 12 times, guys, uh, the, the, the writer, Paul here, uses the law or commandment. And he quotes a law in verse 7 as well. So we see 13 times that he talks about the law. And here's the thing. You know, you guys, I don't know about you, but in your, in your dealings, people today, I think, feel like the law is obsolete, would you think that? Mm-hmm. People today, I think, is, is, is since the Old Testament, right, they think the Old Testament is, oh, that's an old book, right? The Old Testament laws, the Ten Commandments. Well, they're just kind of obsolete, and, you know, it was only really affected in the Old Testament times. Well, I hear a lot of times some people say, well, why, why, doesn't, why don't we try to be more relevant? Why doesn't the Bible catch up with modern times? Mm-hmm. Why are yep. we still sticking to these yep. things of the Old Testament? Yep. You do hear that a lot. That, absolutely. And so that, that just strikes me is, as you think about this, it, it, but why would Paul smack dab in this theological essay that Paul's writing, smack dab in the middle of it, what does he bring? He brings to us the law, right? right? We've been talking about, we've gone through uh, uh, condemnation for all mankind. We've gone through justification. We've gone, we're going through sanctification now. And then here he comes and he brings us this word law. He brings in the Old Testament law and the commandments. And he actually... Uh, 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 speaks of the commandment here. And so what's interesting is, is all this, he puts this huge emphasis on law, but it's not past tense either. This is present tense is what he, he talks about. And so that the law he talks about is still on the books. It's still effective today in order, and, and, it's, it's, and it's critical. And we've been sharing the law today. We've actually been using the law today to, to show people their sins. So the law is critical for two things. First of all, it's in order for us to know Christ, right? The law is there. It's still on the books. It's still effective so that we know Christ and so that we may be able to follow Christ. Christ correctly. You said it, and let's, let's look at verse 7, because you just said what verse 7 said. Let me read it, and then let's break it down. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would, I would have not known sin. Now that's what Paul's saying. If it wasn't for the law, think about who Paul is. Yeah. Look, He's a Pharisee. Yeah. He knows the law. Oh, if anybody knows the law, uh, Paul knows the law. If there's anybody at this time to, that, that knows it. And so, so verses 7 here through 17, really the law gets brought in, but, but the law is not the issue here. If you look at the verses and look what he's saying, sin is the issue. It's not the law that's the issue. And so he says it, uh, sin and self and combination uh, are the culprits. And so, you know, as you talk about the law, uh, to say that it, that, it, that it stimulates us to sin, because that's what he questions. He says, is the law sin? That's the question that he asks. Yeah. It's certainly not. Certainly yeah. not. So think about this. Paul, Pharisee, loves the law, knows the law, 
better than just, hey, he had the best teacher in Israel. Yeah. He knows the law. But if it had not been for the law, he would not have known sin. But wait a minute, Paul. You know the law. You keep the law just about as good as anybody. But he's been, he's been uh, revealed more about the law. Here, covet. Externally, Paul kept the law. Did Paul commit adultery physically? No. Did Paul steal something? No. Did he do all these outer things? Uh, no. But God takes the law. Again, was Matthew chapter 5. Here we talk about coveting. Coveting is not an external act. It's an inner deal. Yeah. So Paul now being exposed to what the law really is, it's, not re- it's, it's more than external things that you do. It goes to the heart. Yeah. So he's saying that I would not have known, not have not known sin if it, if it had not been for the law. For I would have not known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. Well, absolutely. So we got to we got to understand why Paul's bringing this question here today first before we get into that, right? So let's think about this. I, I, absolutely, There's, it's the obvious question that needs to be asked, right? I mean, it's the basis of what Paul is saying. It's a fair question because the law pronounces judgment upon sin, right? So if the law pronounces judgment upon sin and it measures us and see how far we've fallen short of the divine standard, right? It 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 provokes sin, right? And so Paul, so the question is 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 so it, what shall we say then? Is the law sin, right? So this this kind of is this flows from the question of what of what Paul's already laid out here, yeah. right? They're, he's asking the obvious question that he that people are thinking, and Paul's getting out in front of the car, you know, out of the horse, right? So well, the questions can be raised then, is the law responsible for my sin? That's basically what it is. Is the law responsible for my sin? And the law, if the if the law stimulates sin within me, right, then is the law sinful? That's the basis of the question. If the law stimulates sin within me, is it, it's, it's like, is it stirring something with it? Then that means the law must be bad. So what does Paul well, say make, here? You know, it, would make, it would make the law worthless. Yeah. I mean, if, if the law itself could not justify a sinner of his sins, which we've been through in the first several chapters and it, when we talked about justification. So, so to, to ask this question and come to the conclusion that the law can't justify a sinner, but the law itself is sin, it would make the law worthless. Yeah. And, 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 and God don't. gave him the gave the law, so you cannot come yeah. to that conclusion that the law is worthless. Well, and, and he gives that answer, right. right? What does he say? He says, "May it never be," yeah. right? And that's an emphatic in the Greek. That's a that's a that's a the most great. That's the greatest negative that you can have there. It's it's like may it never be times a thousand. Yeah, you know, he's shouting it, and absolutely not. Get that out of your mind. What do you mean the law is sinful? That comes from God. So that's not sinful here, right? So, so that's what we're saying. Are you crazy, basically? It's a wrong conclusion that you've come up with. So he immediately stops this, right? And so then the, look what he gives. Phil's already gone over it is. He gives the answer. He says, on the contrary. Which is a strong statement. It's a strong contrast here. Yeah. He is says, it? I, and understand, he's going to say I. So Paul's going to use himself throughout this as an example. He doesn't use anybody else as an example. He uses himself throughout the example. He says, I would not have come to known sin except through the law. So here's what Paul does. He gives us the answer here, and he breaks it down, right? Paul says, on the contrary, meaning meaning that we can see here is, guys, that the law is good. Yeah. The law is not bad. Why is it good? Well, we've exposed it today is we've used it. I've used it in every one of my witness encounters is to expose sin. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul does. I mean, that's what sin does. The law exposes sin. And that's Absolutely. what we need to do. When we, we, when we witness to people, Phil, what's the first thing we do? If I shared, If I shared the good news before I got to the bad news, 
So if you were to go to a doctor, let's just use this analogy. If you go to a doctor and he give you the pill before you give the diagnosis, right? right you wouldn't really take the pill. That's exactly he needs right. to give you the diagnosis before you take the pill. That way, why? You'll take the pill just as quick. Yeah. You take it. You'll you'll you'll. you'll but if you know what's wrong it. with you, then you're easy. You 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 will accept the cure. But if you don't know what's wrong with you, and he says, "Here's the cure to your problems," but he doesn't tell you what your problems are, then why would you take what he calls a cure? When he hasn't diagnosed the issue. And like you said, this is so bodily important when you're sharing the gospel. Like Blake's done it every time. I know I've done it every time. Apart from people knowing that they have broken God's law, then if, if they don't know they've done that, you can't move past that to get the cure. You got to you got to deal with people's sin before you can go to a savior. Yeah. Sick people need. If you're not sick, you don't need the doctor. Yeah. If you're good. Then you're good. That's, That's right. Would you say that, I would say this, that no one has ever been saved without knowing your sin. No, absolutely no. not. That's you can't be saved without knowing your sin. You can't. What do you need a Savior for? If, if, if they don't understand what Phil just said, that their need of a Savior, they need to know that, that, that they're sick, they're, they're basically dead, they're, they're, they're walking dead men uh, on a pathway to hell. If they don't know that, if they don't know they're sick, they'll never you know, be able <clears throat> to accept the fact that they need a Savior. Eight. Eight out of ten gospel presentations that I hear, whether it be on TV or, or hear somebody doing it, never bring up the law. Mm. Paul says, if it had not been for the law, I, Paul's a pretty stout dude, I would think. Would y'all agree with me? Oh, Paul, yeah, know what he's talking about? Paul says, if it had not been for the law, I, Paul, would not have known sin. That's right. Yeah, so we need to clarify that just real quickly, right? You and I, we've talked about this. You and I, we know sin by what? By our conscience, do we not? We've talked about that. Our conscience yeah. bears witness to the sin in our lives when it's exposed. But God is, he's put this moral courtroom within our in our lives as well. So, But uh, but what we have to do is, there's, you know, there's this built-in smoke alarm. It warns us of right and wrong. People know this. This is why there's not murder. That's why murder, people feel conscious about committing murder in some kind of far-off land that's never been given the gospel. What Paul means here by this statement is he didn't come to know the depth and the depravity in his own heart except through the law. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, that's right, what he right. means. The that's, law, it, it gives a much more powerful revelation to our sin than our conscience. That's what it does. The, the law is what exposes it. It's like holding up a mirror to your soul and being able to see it for the first time. A lot of times, we, man, we, we think we're good, Mike. We talked about this earlier. The heart is deceitful above all things. Man, we can... We can we can go around thinking we are some good people. It is. And, and you think about a lot of the encounters that we've had today, and I've heard you, I've heard Phil, Jimmy, all of us asking these questions, you know, do you think you're a good person? How many times have we heard over and over and over again yeah. today people say, sure I am. I mean, and, and that's generally what people will say. I'm, I'm a good person. You know, I, I've never killed anybody. I've never never robbed anybody, you know. But then we but start the, asking these simple questions mm. that, that, that expose us to who we truly are. And it's are. been, it's been I'll, I'll be honest with you, as we, as we speak to these young, mainly a lot of young folks, as all these young folks gather around, and when you start breaking into that and to watch their face and watch the light of Christ hit the darkness of a heart, and they yeah. finally realize, man, that's sin? And, That's you know, right. it's really Absolutely. neat to watch things like that happen right before well, your the, eyes. Yeah, and the fact is, and then why this is so vital and it's so important is, is most of the time, like you said, Blake, that, that the law is holding up a mirror to yourself. And so when, when, you, when you look at your life, you, I'm a good person. Yeah, I'm a good person, man. I, I ain't never killed nobody. I never. Well, at that point in time, you know, they're not looking at their own experiences through the lens of the law. They're looking at their own experiences based on 
what other people have done in society based on what culture has told them based on well this person is murdered and killed and they've gone to jail i've never murdered and killed anybody i've never i've never robbed a bank i've never done yeah i'm a good person well yeah. what does the law say let's hold this different mirror up you look at yourself through this lens now are you a good person Absolutely not. Absolutely. Yeah, and Paul says this in 320, right? Exactly, Jimmy. For through the law comes what? The knowledge of mm-hmm. sin. So how do we supposed to come to the knowledge of sin? Through the law. There's mm-hmm. no way to be saved apart from the first knowledge of sin. Jesus died for who? He didn't die for good people. He died no. the just for the unjust, right? He died for sinners, for such as you and I, not good people. We must, not, we must know the knowledge of sin before we come to Christ. That, that's, that right. is, that's imperative. We must need to know that. So... We're moving on here at the end of verse 7. He gives a specific example of this, of how the law reveals sin. So Phil's already touched on it a little bit here. At the end of verse 7, what does he say? He actually quotes the law. He says, For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, You shall not covet. Right? And so what Phil said was, Phil's already said it, there was coveting in Paul's heart. Mm. Right? And it just, here's the problem. Here's what had happened. The covetingness had settled down into the pit of his soul, right? It is settled down almost like mud in, have you ever seen mud in water? If you give it enough time, what does it do? Without stirring it or touching it, it settles to the bottom. We think about that. That's what's happened. Paul had done suppressed the truth enough to where it had been settled in his body and it wasn't stirred up, right? So it's, it's, like, it's, like, a, it's like dirt at the bottom of a swimming pool. But what we see here is when the law hit the light, hit the, hit the darkness of Paul's heart, what did it do? And it stirred it up. As we were sitting out here today, guess what? We were stirring up that sin at the bottom of the heart, yeah. right, that had been suppressed, that had been falling at the bottom. It happened to be that, that Paul came, you know what? Guess what? As he got to, you, you don't think he was convicted all the way up to verse 9, but when he got to verse 10, he probably closed his Bible and was like, oh, my goodness, right? I am a wretched sinner. By covenant, he was like, man, that, like Phil said, that's to the heart. That's not an external thing. That's something I deal with inside my soul. Well, it's, yeah, it's the only of the Ten Commandments that deals with an inward action not, and the desires and not outward action. Uh, so sin is more than, 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 than an outward action. So that's, that's what Paul is, you know, is, is kind of letting us know here that, that there's, there are more sins than, than those of the, the sin of murder and adultery and the things that we do on the outward and stealing and lying and all that. Uh, this one is the, is the one yeah. that takes a look at the inside and who you are on Absolutely. the inside that nobody else can see. And, 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 that's, and here's the thing. You're exactly right. This is, the, this is the crazy thing about it is, think about it. We're talking about Paul, right? The, the great Pharisee, right? The one who's got it all uh, wrapped up on the outside. He's good, right? Man, I'm, 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 I'm working my way to God, right? But, but here's what covenant means. Covenant means to desire something that you don't have. Mm. That's what it means. It means that to, to long for something. There's a discontentment by what, what God has given you. And, and if you do that, Blake, I can't tell that you're doing that. Exactly. But it's sin. And the wages of sin is death. Yeah, yeah by the way. absolutely. And Paul, what he's doing is, is what covenant is, is it's wanting something that that someone else has, whether you have it or not. It's 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 like it's like this. Here's an analogy. It's like putting two babies. Have you ever seen two babies in a playpen? What happens when you lay two babies in a playpen? You put them on the opposite sides. They're content, right? They're fine. What happens when you lay that toy in the middle? They're that baby, mm-hmm. that baby goes over there and grab that one baby gets that toy and he starts playing with it. What's that other baby want to do? That other baby was fine until that one baby started getting to it. What did he do? He wants that thing now. It's it's in us. It's covetous. You always you want something that you never have, and that's discon- and that's a sin. Why? Because we're not content with what God has given us. And so what Paul was saying is, is covenant got me, man. I wasn't content with what God had given me. I was coveting other things. I was coveting what people had. I well, was coveting my own righteousness. Well, covetousness is 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 a root of all sin. To be honest with you, it's a, it's a root of all sin. So so when you have a desire for objects that satisfy yourself, I don't know. You're you're happy 
happy uh, and, and, and get satisf- satisfaction from those objects other than from God, then, then that's sin. And, and look, that's why the Bible calls the covetous idolatry. Uh, Colossians 3, 5 says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. So what the law does here, and what Paul is saying is the law, now we're going to strip away any of this delusion that we've given ourselves, any of the self-delusion that we have, we're going to strip it away, uh, and, and Paul has stripped away all of this stuff when it relates to him and God, and it shows that that people before God are utterly, totally depraved. Yep. And, and that's what he's it's happening here. He's, he's saying, look, the law is not sin. The law, it, it, it makes you look at yourself and inside of yourself, it's like an x-ray machine. That's, That's right. what the law is. And Absolutely. the law can't do anything. It's good. We should keep it, but the law cannot save you. The only thing that it can do is condemn you. So that's why we need to deal with sin and evangelism. You go back to the mirror image that both of you have talked about. When you wake up in the morning, Phil, and you're looking in that mirror. Hey, that mirror. (laughs) (laughs) What's that mirror show you, Phil? That that mirror is showing you what's truly there. Yeah. But is that mirror going to fix you up? No. Absolutely no. not. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think of a joke, and I had several, but, but anyway. I'll, the mirror ain't going to fix him up. The makeup <laughs> is what's going to fix yeah, him the up. We're on live radio. So, so the law, y'all keep referring it to the mirror. That's that's what it is. And, and Paul's looking at this mirror, and he's seeing what he truly is. But the law is not mm. going to be the thing that's going to fix him up. Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely. absolutely. It's actually not. what's condemns him, right? So here's what we see in verse 8. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment. It produced in me covenant of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. So I think, I mean, that, this is important. This is, this is when I read this, this was crazy, right? First of all, what is sin, right? Sin is missing the mark, right? It's It, it was literally shooting, you know, it's like we're shooting out of air and we completely don't even get on the, we're not even close to the bull's bull mark. I mean, the bullseye, by the way, right? Sin taking advantage is what it means. It means to, to, to establish, this is what this, this, this Greek word means, it's to establish a base of operation. It, it really comes from a military term, Mike. Here, here we go, military term again, which military operations would they would set their main base in which they would launch the attack from there, right? So the attack would go out from there. So sin, this is what sin does. Sin does it, and it does it through the commandment. The commandment he just quoted. Sin does it from this commandment right here. It sets up operation, and it, and it goes out, meaning the commandment, look what it does. It aroused the sin. It aroused it in his life. It stimulated the sin, if you will. The sin was already there. It didn't commit the sin, and that's what he's trying to yeah. say: is is this this law didn't make me commit the sin. It didn't, it, but it was it was already the sin that was there. It aroused this sin, right? It was the commandment. Here's what it did: the commandment poured gas on the fire, and and so it brought to a greater flame in in his life. And uh, but so how is that a positive, right? How can that be a positive? Well, think about it. It's out in the open. Right? He gets it out and open, makes it out so that we can see it. That's what we've done today, sharing the gospel. Guess what we've done? The sin has always been there. The law, by being bringing the law, didn't bring their sin to them. It just brought it to light. Yeah. I poured gas upon the, the sin that they had brought down and deep down in their conscience they knew they were guilty of. Look, what you start, did you, sorry. You, sin, you start talking about the sin taking the opportunity, Blake. When was the first time we see the commandment given in the Bible? Yeah, in, 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 in Adam. And what in, happened? In the garden. God and told him what? Yeah, don't take it. Don't, don't, don't. don't. Hey, 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 hey don't, don't do that. And <laughs> sin took its opportunity right. to jump right on in there. Look at, listen to this. This is uh, Augustine describing th- how the, kind of this thing works uh, as a young man. He said, listen to this. There was a pear tree near our vineyard laden with fruit. One stormy night, we rascal youth set out to rob it and carry our spoils away. We took off a huge load of pears, not to feast upon ourselves, but to throw them to the pigs, though we ate just enough to have the pleasure of forbidden fruit. 
They were nice pears, but it was not the pears that my wretched soul coveted, for I had plenty better at home. I picked them simply in order to become a thief. The only feast I got was a feast of iniquity and that I enjoyed to the full. What was it that I loved in the theft? Was it the pleasure of acting against the law? The desire to steal was awakened simply by the prohibition of stealing. Mm, that's good. That's good. It's like it's just like the red button. I go away don't. and say, don't. The one thing you don't do is touch that red button. What is the only thing you want to do? Hey, and touch that red button. You said it last time, Phil. You, you said the, uh, uh, how did you, if you remember what you said, uh, you said that uh, the, the law of the land, we have laws, in, governmental laws, to, to prevent crime. Mm-hmm. But the law of God, what? Increases crime. Increases crime. It yeah. sure does. That's what it does. So it's like it's like it's what here's what here's what Paul's relating it to. You ever you ever you ever seen wasps coming out of a hole and you know there's a nest in there. You don't see it. What happens is you spray that wasp spray in there, and the next thing you know, they all come yeah. out. That's that's what he's saying. <laughs> they fall to the ground. Yes. Yeah. So that's what Paul's saying here. Is he's saying it comes out when the when the sin when the commandment hits it, the sin is made alive. Right. Let me give you. If my kids are listening to this at this point, you can turn the radio down. Hey, by the way, just so if you hear a lot of noise, we are in Covington, Tennessee. This is where, where God lives, by the way, if, you're, if you want to know. And we're at the Heritage Day. They do it every year. Several thousands of people come up to the square in Covington, Tennessee. A lot of art, uh, a lot of arts and crafts, a lot of festivities. We are recording the program live here in Covington, Tennessee. Right. We're evangelizing. We're passing out gospel tracts, and we're having a lot of good conversations. Anyway, just in case you hear all the noise, the babies crying. The music playing. We are we are live here in Covington, right. Tennessee. But anyway, I was going to tell you, Blake. You said something because the law just makes you want to do it. I remember, and I might even tell the story back uh, on the radio before. I used to work at a, at a job that was second shift, right? And so every every uh, every night, every Friday night, my friends would be waiting on me in the parking lot. They've been riding around town all night. So they picked me up at 12 o'clock from uh, working at a local factory here. And so we're riding around about 2 o'clock in the morning. And you know what? Did you know? And I, I used to go swimming every day. But it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And there is a swimming pool located in Covington. Oh, my goodness. And, <laughs> and, going. and you know what I did? Now, I, can, I can go swimming every day. And there's there's hours that the the, the the swimming pool's open. It's not two o'clock, o'clock in the morning. morning. It's not open. <laughs> and so, and so, my friends say, "What do you want to do, Phil?" I said, "Well, it's two o'clock. Let's go swimming." <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I remember being on the diving board, and I looked down the street, and I saw a cop car coming, but he turned. I said, "We're good, fellas." And so I jumped off the diving board and landed in the water. When I came up, it was nothing but flashlights <laughs> shining in my face. And uh, anyway, I went to jail that night. But anyway, that's, that's hilarious. But hey, look. We couldn't go swimming, therefore we wanted to go swimming. Right. That's what the law does. That's exactly yeah, right. Absolutely. absolutely. And so what Paul says here is, I mean, that what great analogies, right? He says, for apart from the law, sin is dead, yeah. is it not? And from context, look here, it doesn't mean that sin is non-existent. We know that, right? We know sin's non-non-existent. What he means is, is we have the we have the sin the moment we're conceived in our mother's womb. We know that. Here, here's what he means. It's lying dormant in the heart. The sin lies dormant in the heart until something comes in and stirs it up. It's not as active as it would be until what? The commandment coming in. Look here, just those wasps, they're living in there. That's what they're doing. They're, they're living their life, but it's not as active until you spray that sucker in there and the suckers come start coming out at you and you made a mistake after that. So so the law, what Paul's saying is it's not the cause of sin. That's not what it is. The sin is the cause. Can I say something? Yeah. But people say this all the time. You know I'm just a sinner. 
Now, how does that play into that? Because it's almost like we, we blame our sin and give it an excuse because we're sinners. You see, do you see how people might would say, yeah, well, that's what they, when I've talked to people today, they say, look, hey, man, you know I'm a sinner. Yeah. So it still doesn't get you out from that's right. the judgment of God. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so do you go to a judge whenever you're, you get a speeding ticket, you go yeah. to a judge, he's like, I just got a lead foot. I'm just man. a criminal. Just, what you going to do? What you going to do? And he's like, you're right. Speeder. You need to go to jail. <laughs> yeah. So the law reveals our, our, our desires to sin, it, yep. our, our proclivity to sin. That's a good word. I'm like, I like that. So, so I don't know what that means. I like going to spell it. Though, a word of the episode. We always got proclivity. One. A proclivity. So, so God's commands, what they are, what the law is, is, is they're designed for our good. But what we do is we look at the law as it, as it limits our freedom. So, so we resent the law because of that, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's this fundamental rebellion in every single one of us. We could walk down the street, see a sign that says "Don't spit on the sidewalk," and I guarantee you, none of us had any desire to spit on the sidewalk till we saw the sign. Yep. We see the sign, spit starts forming in our mouth. We can't stand it anymore until we have to get <laughs> all over the sidewalk. <laughs> so what, the law sheds light on the sinfulness and rebellion of our heart. Yeah, that's exactly what, what it does. What Blake it. was saying too, uh, well, actually, what the text was saying, you know, sin apart from the law is dead well i mean think is it is it really speeding if there's not a law to speed yeah absolutely the law's there right we've already talked about that through the other one is it is it really well here's the thing though you may not see that law the law is written upon everybody's heart though from the beginning that's the difference in yeah. not having a speed sign. It's already been written on everybody's yeah. heart. The, the written law and the, the, the moral the, law. Yeah. yeah, it's been written upon everybody's heart. So yeah, we can't. Yeah, just yeah, we can't. That analogy actually breaks down, right? Yeah, you can't say, "Oh, I didn't know." No, you'll be held accountable yeah, for know. what that's you right. know. And so yeah, so that's what Paul does, right? So we're moving on, so we can move on just a little bit quicker. Uh, Romans uh, here, he says here, he says, "I was once alive from the law." This is verse 9, right? I was once alive from the law. And, and what he means here is, is that he was, was whistling Dixie through life. Look here. That's what he was going. Apart from the law, Paul was like, I am, man, I'm good, right? This is what Philippians 3, 5 says. This is what Paul says here, 3, 5, or 6. Circumcised the eighth day. Think about him just thumping his chest. I'm, I'm of the nation of Israel, right? Couldn't be no better. Of the tribe of Benjamin, right? A Hebrew of all Hebrews. As, of the, as to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. That's the righteousness which is in law found blameless. This is who Paul thought he was, right? But Paul was living just fine apart from the heart, searching heart, heat-seeking missile of the law. But look what he says. He says, but when, but when the commandment comes in, and that's what he's referring to is he's referring to the Tenth Commandment. When this covetousness hit the heart, hit, the, hit the, the light, hit the darkness, right? It finally hit him. When he finally came to realization, it's almost like he stopped reading before he got to the Tenth Commandment. It really never even had a great effect upon his heart, basically, until he read it. Right? He's like he's never read it before and he comes and reads it. But at some point, here's what God does. God opens the eyes of the blind. We've been praying for the eyes of the open to be blind. The eyes of the blind to be open and to what his commandment really meant. And his heart was exposed. And the sin had been stirred up in his life. And through the open eyes of the regenerated heart, Paul could see his sin because of what the law had done to his soul and his sin. So there was a point in his life, there was a point in time in Paul's life that, that he was 
maybe that he was uninformed about the law. There was a point in time in his life that, 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 in terms of his own conscience. And so he hadn't come to grips with the force of the law yet. And so that's what he's saying here. So in this verse, he wasn't speaking about being apart from just the mere knowledge of the law, but, but being apart from a true response of the law. There was a point in time in, in, in all of our lives that, that, that we have a knowledge, we have a conscience of it. We're just talking about that. But there is also a point in time in our life where, that we don't have a response to it, but we're, we're apart from that. Absolutely. And, that, and that's, what, that's what, exactly what Paul says here. He says, when the commandment came, sin became alive. Does it mean that he was sinless? Up to that point, he just means when the commandment hit his heart, mm. hit his darkened heart, sin, boom. Oh, my goodness. Man, I'm, I'm lost. That's right. And that's what we're trying to do out here today is we're trying to get people lost before they can get saved. But they have got, to understand who they are. Yeah. It's not just believing a story you heard about Jesus your whole life. Look, I spent 31 years of my life, guys, hearing. I knew Jesus Christ was a person, uh, was, was, was the son of God. I heard the stories. I, we grow up in the Bible Belt here. So I knew who Jesus was, but I spent 31 years of my life thinking that I believed in Jesus when I never knew how wretched of a person that I was. Yep. I never knew that belief actually had legs on it, yep. that there was something to belief, that I had to actually Respond in repentance. Repentance means to turn from the sin, to turn and never to re- return to it. And so and repentance is, is, is a lifestyle. It's not a, a one-time thing. I never knew any of that until I was 31 years old and, and I came alive to the law. And when the law was revealed to me for the first time in my life, I saw exactly who I was for the first time in the eyes of a holy God. And it broke me. Yeah. That's, and that's what the law's for, and that's what's exactly what Paul's speaking about. Is this is what this is? Is the law foolish? Absolutely not. It's used to bring people to Christ. And then he says, "Man, he says that he says here uh, that he says he died. He says I died. Well, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing. Paul was already spiritually dead. We know that. But because, but here's what he means. But he, because he came aware of the sentence of divine judgment, right? And it crushed him and it killed him under the weight of the law. Paul was crushed and killed. It crushed his soul to think. You got to think. This man walked blameless. He thought he did. Man, I am the Pharisees of the Pharisees. I'm doing everything right. And when the law exposed it, the dude was dead. He was. He might as well been dead, right? And so that's what we see. It not yet come to faith in Christ, but this is what God was doing in the heart before He came to Christ. This is what happens in the unregenerated heart. God starts, God's the one who regenerates it through the law. He, he, you see the sin. You, you become, you repent, and you believe, and you trust in Him. And that's what we need to be reminded of the work that God's done before conversion is very important. This is important in our witnessing count is what we're doing today. We, we don't need to rush into making people uh, make decisions for Christ. None of, us made, none of us rushed into that today, by the way. None of us said, do you want to say a prayer today? Do you want to be saved today? We, we, I've heard we, that a lot. Though, I've heard it, yeah. There's a work that needs to be done in the heart. We, we've spread the seed today to hundreds of people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of hundreds of people. And, and there could have been hundreds of people that came to know Christ today. And, and that's between them and God. I'm not going to sit out here today and ask somebody to fill out a card and, and mail it in and I can baptize them and, and and build up some numbers. It was about building the, the, the kingdom of God today. And, and if God saves them, that's between them and God. What we did was throw seed today yeah. and let God be God. I was talking to one guy and uh, I asked him, you know, a little bit in the conversation, have you, have you been saved? This is, this is very common of what we heard today. I said, have you been saved? He said, yes, I have. I said, so you've been born again. He says, not yet. Hmm. These are the kind of answers that at least kind of answers that, I, that I've gotten throughout the day. And of course, where, where did I go at that point? I went into the law. I began to ask him about sin, about 
you know, about adultery. Has he looked at a, has he looked at a woman in lust? Has he ever lied? Has he ever stolen? Guess what? Yes. I said, well, you're in trouble. Yeah. That's sin. If you haven't been born again, uh-oh. Oh, look at, we got that's sin, and the wages of sin is death. Yeah. And to go to heaven, and I've said this today, too, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. And then one lady says, oh, no, I'm a sinner. I says, to go to heaven, you got to be perfect. Yeah. You have to be. There's no sin in heaven. Well, I'm a sinner. I said, well, we all know that. And so explain about the blood of Christ and what the, the, anyway, just some common things that we get. It it, it blows my mind that. So Paul says, yeah. And so Paul says here, he says, I died, I died. Mm -hmm. And you kind of explained that, but I want to give you scripture reference. uh, One of the, one of the biggest places in scripture where Paul, not only here, because 40 some odd times here in this section, he uses I, me, mine, talking about his personal experience. But another one of the biggest places in scripture that he gives personal testimony is Galatians uh, in Galatians chapter two, he gives personal testimony. Testimony, especially in 220, but at 219, he says, same thing that he says here. He said in, in Galatians 219, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Mm-hmm. If you don't die, you don't live. That's, That's it. right. When the That's law, it. Look at, it. when the law comes, it will crush you. If it don't crush you, you didn't die. Mm. If you didn't die, you don't know the Lord. That's right. right? Yeah. right? Absolutely. Agree? That's exactly right. I, absolutely. And that's what y'all talked about last week, right? We got to be. We have to die in order for us to be married to someone else, right? And so, yeah. so we're man. We die. We die to ourselves. We die to ourselves, and we can be married to Christ. So the his, law crushes you. Crushes you. Or it you will, should crush you. Or or you will stand up in pride like the rich young ruler. You know, I've done this. Have you committed adultery? No, I've, I've never done this. I've never done that. I've never done that. I've kept the law. What else do you want me to do? Then God goes straight for his heart. Yep. Yeah. Then go sell everything you got to do. Right. Absolutely. That's and right. so he exposes his sin that not only is external, but it's internal. And God knows the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know I heard Phil say this one time. He was talking to somebody today and he was mentioning, look, you can say no to as many questions as you want to. But listen, if you say yes to just one. Mm-hmm. If you've committed one sin, you might as well have committed them all. That's yep. right. That's it. So that's why we, I mean, here's the thing. And I think the, the application here, the principle behind that is, is we need to, we don't need to be quick to give Christ the good news until we have really harped on the bad news. We need to, we need to. Well, that's and, it, sounds, and that's the key. That's the key. I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry. But that, that is the key, man, is, is because we hear it so many times. And that's why, that's why you see the look on so many people's face today when we encounter hundreds upon hundreds of people and you say, you know, are you a good person? Well, yeah, I'm a good person. Yeah, I'm a good person. Well, then this, 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 and this. And then their eyes, they look at you like you've lost your mind because they've never been told. They may sit in church every single week and they've never been called a sinner. They've never been been told that they are a violator of God or an enemy of God. They, they've never been told that. They just say, oh, well, come on. God, Jesus loves you. God loves you. And he's going to pat you on the butt. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah. The truth is he does have a plan for your life. God, God does have plans for you as a believer. But the fact of the matter is you have to deal with your sin and you have to deal with your wretchedness for he gives you the commandment to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. God has that same plan for everybody is to go out and to evangelize and, and share the gospel. Of everybody, every creature that breathes, that's that's the plan God has for your life. It's not about being healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? Yeah. It's not about coming and making you happy. God does, doesn't care about your happiness as much as he cares about your holiness. And so, listen, you got to understand that, that you have have to deal with who you are and who you are is an enemy of God. Before you come to know him, you are an enemy and you have to deal with the bad news before you can get to the good news. And so, so many people, so many people only share the good news. Yeah. They they talk about prosperity and blessing and all that. And like, like you said, it's 
I mean, God's plan, you look all throughout the scripture, the plan has not been any of that. Because looking at the looking at the apostles, looking at his disciples that followed him, I mean, you mean to tell me to tell somebody that God's plan for you was persecution? Yeah. God's plan for you was was everywhere you went to be ridiculed and, and rejected? I mean, that that's the plan. That's all we see throughout Scripture. And when you stand for truth, when you stand for the gospel, that's what you're getting. But mm. you do it. Why? Because God is worthy. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So, so what Paul keeps on going, he says in this command, which, which was to result in, in what? In life. It was a result in life is what he said. You know, why was it a result in life? Well, MacArthur says this, what he had considered to be a means of gaining eternal life had turned out to be the way of spiritual death. But, you know, God gave the law to provide blessings for those who love and serve him. Through the Old Testament, the Lord gave his people such promises as how blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. But here's the thing, the law, the commandment cannot produce blessings or peace within the unbeliever. And so which was to result in life Guess what he says? He says, he says here, he says, it resulted in, proved to result in death. It resulted in death. It, it proved to result in death. And so uh, it, the law first kills us, right? But it, but it points yeah, it us to, to life, and it leads us to life. That's what the law does. We can't live it perfectly, and only one person was able to live that perfectly, right? But we can't do that. But what the law does is, he says here, it says it results in death for me, and death is a good thing for us right now, right? We, we die to ourselves so that Christ can live through us. And so yeah. this commandment, this commandment of covenant brought death to us. It brought death to Paul. It, he became a, painfully aware of his sin. This is what the law does. It kills us because of the knowledge of sin. The law is like this. It's like a heavy sledgehammer that comes down heavy upon the heart. And it crushes the heart. It crushes the heart of stone. Remember, it's just as hard as that, that table is. And it crushes it and, it, and it. and it exposes for everything it is. And it says, God, I am a wretched sinner. And he cries out to the Lord for help. This must happen to the heart. The heart must be crushed in order for us to be saved. Okay, I got a question. Y'all, y'all theologians teach me here. It says the very commandment that promised life proved to be death. So the commandment, it promises life, but that commandment proved to be death. Do you think, like educate me, here is, here is Paul. He's a, he's a Jew, and, and we see in the Old Testament, obey, bless, disobey, curse. So do you think he's, he was looking at it at that perspective the commandment that proved to be life really proved to be death. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Because yeah. in Israel, in the Old Testament, look, they had to obey God. If they obeyed God, they lived. If they disobeyed God, they died. So do you think he's coming at it when he says that? Does that play into that at all? No, I think Am it, I, I missing that? I, I think so. I think... I think Because it says life. Yeah, there is life. It proved to be life, but yet you live, you know, you can't... The life was not there. Right. To, to, they would even if they followed it perfectly. There was no, there was no life there. They were dead, right? He said that which he proved, and I, I think in other words is, is he he's thinking that him following this, right, and following this to the T, he's going to gain life. But ultimately, he actually gains death by doing that. That's this. exactly right. So, so, so God ordained the law unto death, right, Un, or unto life, rather. God ordained the law unto life, but sin caused Paul to move unto death. You see the parallelism there, how that parallels? So, so coming to an adequate understanding of the law destroyed absolutely all hope to fulfill the law by his own means and his own merit. Yeah, yeah. And, and the law, where the law proved that he thought it was going to be, that's where his saving grace was going to be, it wasn't. It actually is what, 
led him to when it when it when when he really was exposed to the law, man. He would if he would have kept down that route. Guess what? Died. He would have been dead, eternal death, right forever. And what else did it do? It also killed him when he was exposed. It killed him. It crushed him as well. Right, right. So, so when you, when you follow the law, you rely on what? Yourself. yourself to be able to, to muster up enough energy or muster up enough whatever to follow the law. And so he came to death. Paul came to death, and he came to a death to, of, to, to this self-reliance. So trying to keep the law without the grace principle proved absolutely fatal to his spirituality. Absolutely. So what Paul keeps on going here real quick, we're going to move it up. For sin, here's the explanation, right? Taking an opportunity through the commandment deceived me, and it and through it, it killed, killed me. me. So, so what's Paul doing? So then the law is holy and commandment is holy. And No, excuse me. I'm sorry. I skipped the verse there. He gives an explanation, right, for sin. Listen, sin always deceives us, does it not? Sin always overpromises and underdelivers. That's what it does. Sin always is holding something out. It's a carrot, if you will. It dangles it in front of us, and it makes us go further than we ever wanted to go. Oh, yeah. Right? And, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it hides the after effects. That's what sin does. Mm-hmm. And so it's deceptive. It's fraudulent. It makes us, here's what it does. Sin makes us stupid. And yeah. so that's what Paul's saying. He's saying for sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, it deceived him and it killed him is what it did. Well, through the commandment. We see the same thing today. We see the same thing here today uh, because Paul was under this, under this lie. He was, he was living under this delusion of thinking that salvation or sanctification was going to come by law, by, by following the law. And so when you look at the doctrine of salvation, when you look at the truth of, of what the Bible teaches, we see that error so much today of thinking works by works based salvation. So you think that, that, that if I do this or if I do that, the Lord is going to be pleased with me. God will, God will save me and I'll make him happy with me. Uh, but, but what this does is, is what Paul is saying here. He was saying he was deceived and uh, this, all this self-effort was, is gone. He's dead to it now. Yeah. Well, Jew, and Jews uh, to this very day still subscribe to this too. Salvation by works mm. and by law. So yeah, they're, it's, uh, it's, they're in a, you know, it's not even the Jews different, you know, that's a good point, but it's really, but we have, what do we deal with today? Absolutely. They were no works. different than the Jews. It that's was exactly really, right. Absolutely. 95% of the people that we dealt with today was a works based salvation based on something that they're doing. You know, yep. but anyway, one of the questions we asked today is, "What does it take for for you to stand right in front of a holy God? What does it take for a man to be right?" Well, you got to go to church. I got to go to church every day of the week. I got to. I can one be guy baptized. Church every day. Then he, said, right. he said, "I go to church every day." Then Blake said, "Every day? Sunday morning, Wednesday? No, that's not every day. I can't quit running, man. <laughs> Seven days in a week." <laughs> I said, "You lying, man? Quit lying." <laughs> what were you gonna say, Mike? No, I was just gonna say, but it's it's not the law that that's deceptive. It's sin using that law as an occasion for us yeah. to rebel, yeah. right? And so uh, we see in John eight thirty two it says uh, this. This is what Jesus said: "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free." So, so the truth that we have is is really making us free from the deceptions of sin that yep. places on. Absolutely. So that's what man Christ sets us free. He sets us. So look here. It's what Paul says right here in verse twelve. We'll wrap it up today. So then, here's this conclusion. This is, you know, the question was, is the, salt, is the, is the, is the law sinful, right? And it, it, this is his conclusion. This is inclusio. He asks the question, he answers it, and he finishes it up. So then, here's my thesis on it. The law is what? Holy. holy. 
And then he just follows it up with the commandment, meaning the same thing, is holy. It's righteous. It's good. He says the law is not evil. It's not bad, but it's holy. The law, it's good and righteous. It speaks of the inerrancy of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture, the infallibility of Scripture. Being holy, it reveals what exposes what is unholy in us. Even now, the law is holy and it has great value to us. The commandment, referring to the Tenth Commandment, is holy and righteous, perfectly equitable and just, and it's good. And what he's doing here, he's just confirming the holiness of God's holy law. Well, and it goes back to what Mike just said just a second ago. You know, uh, the law doesn't invite sin. Yeah. The law uncovers sin, right? And so it's, 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 it's the sin capacity that's within every one of us humans. It's the sin capacity in us, not the law that brings death, because the law itself is holy, right? The law is not evil. The law is not bad. The law is holy. And the word holy, we don't mean set apart. So God is, has given the law, then he set it apart as holy. It's set apart for unique. It, 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 God, it's a unique law that God has set apart. And it, in, in God's eyes, it, it, it's, it brings and uncovers our wretchedness. And it shows us just how terrible we are. And how sin, it doesn't cause us to sin, but it shows us that we are Absolutely. That's a, that's a good point, Jimmy. And, and so here's the thing. There's a, there's a lot of people today that ask me, they say, Blake, man, or you'll hear people say, what's the, what's the will of God for my life? Well, here it is in 10 commandments. This is the will of God for you in 10 commandments right here. We see it in 10 canons, the will of God for us. We can see that in this word. The moral law is pointing us to the will of God. And that's for us to be holy people. He wants us set apart to be holy people. He wants us not to. He wants us to obey our parents. This again, this doesn't this doesn't get us into heaven. But as when you come to Christ and you say you're a Christian, we need to abide by these laws. These are these are good. This is how you follow the narrow path of following God. Right. This is the narrow path of God. You want to walk down that narrow path of God? We need to start with the Ten Commandments. We need to bring those. These are not dead commandments. These are alive. They help to convict us of sin, and they also show us how God wants us to live. And so we need to know these, and we need to take them to heart. They reveal our sin, the deeper we understand them. But as as Christians, we now have the ability to what? Follow them, and we have the ability to serve God through the keeping of them. You see, Paul says this. He says the law is a tutor, and it leads us to Christ. It exposes our sin, and it exposes our need for Christ. 1 John 2, 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, Mm. and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Absolutely. So so, so to bring all of this home, to wrap all of this up, because we're running out of time, the law does not cause us to sin. The law uncovers sin. And so so we take this and and, and apply this to what we've done today here at this this festival here in in, in Covington. We, We have shared with people the law. Phil, look, let me ask you a question. Are you a good person? Well, based on what we heard today, I would say yes, I'm a you know, I'm a pretty good person. You're a pretty good person. All right, so so have you ever told a lie? Yes. You've told a lie. So yes. what does that make you? I'm a liar. Makes you a liar. So have you ever have you ever stolen anything? No. You've never stolen anything. Well, yes, I have. Okay, so even the smallest things. So I was is, lying, by the way. <laughs> you were lying. So <laughs> what does that make you? If you've stolen something, I'm a what thief. Does that make? It I makes you a thief. You're a stealer. So, I'm a so, stealer. So, so you're a liar. That's a word. That's a word I would use. I'm a stealer. <laughs> That's a football team, by the way. So you're a liar. I'm a liar. You're a thief. I'm a thief. All right. So let me let me let me dig a little deeper. Have you ever looked at another woman, another human with lust? Be careful, Cindy's listening. 
Uh, yes, I have. You have. You have. And, and Jesus says in the Bible, Matthew 5, if you look upon someone else with lust, you are an adulterer at heart. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so let me ask you another question. Have you ever been mad at somebody? And watch how you answer that, because you got mad at me this week. I, I, actually, today. <laughs> so, so you've been mad at somebody. I killed you today, my friend. Jesus also said, that's right, if you've ever been mad at someone, you're a murderer, murderer. at heart. So, so by, your own, uh, by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving, adulterous murderer. You stand before a holy God. You die today after you leave this place. Get hit on, head on by an 18-wheeler. You die, you stand before a holy God. How's he going to sentence you? Well, based on what you said, brother, I'm guilty. You're guilty. You stand guilty before that holy God. And so that's how the law uncovers your sin. That's how the law uncovers exactly who you are. As you stand in front of that holy God, and he says, on what basis do you enter into heaven? Well, if it's on your own merit, if it's on your own ability to follow the, the requirement of God, which is perfection and to be perfect, then, my brother, you've, you've failed. You will be judged and sent where? To hell. To hell. All right. So, so that's the bad news. Blake, what's the good news? Yeah, the good news is Jesus Christ. The good news is we talked about this earlier, right? We talked about we talked about how uh, uh, Paul says that uh, the law, right? It, it resulted in it was to result in life, right? And that was to mean it was produced. It, it, it meant that life could happen, right? Life was meant to be produced through following the commandments, but we can't follow them perfectly. We're sinful people, right? We've already proven that, but uh, but if it were possible. Perfect obedience to the law could bring life, but nobody's perfect. We've gone through that. But guess who did that? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Jesus Christ. And he says here, he says that, that, that Jesus Christ, we are saved and we're given eternal life because the requirement of the law is fulfilled in us, right? Christ fulfilled the law. He, he was perfect upon the cross when he went there, and he fulfilled it for us. And so what do we do? We, we put our trust in Him. We repent of our sins. We say, God, I, I'm sorry. I repent of my sins, and, and I trust in Him. And I've heard you say this at least 3,500 times today, Blake. <laughs> I'm lying, by the way, not 3,500. <laughs> well, you've already said you're already What happened on the cross? What did He say? It is finished. It's finished. Done. That's it's it. done. So repent and believe. That's what God asks you to do. The first words Jesus spoke in his earthly ministry is he came off the mountain being tempted by Satan. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That was actually a command. He spoke that in a command. Repent and believe the gospel. And his disciples said likewise every time they were asked a question, what what, what must we do? Repent and believe. Repent yeah. and believe the gospel. Repent is 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 more. Look, repent is is more than 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 you think. Repent is turning from sin, never to return. Right now, we're going to stumble. We're going to we're going to sin, but, but and we should live a lifestyle of repentance. But repent is to completely turn away from that sin and 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 to chase after the thing you've been running away from your entire life, which is Jesus Christ. Now you're turning from that sin and running toward Christ. Absolutely. The right. evidence that you have believed, the evidence that you have repented is you obey the yep. Father. Yep. That's it. That's what you do. Trust in Him. Yeah. You Trust want, you want him. to you want to obey Him because yep. you, you realize what He did. He saved He yep. saved you when He didn't have he to. Sure did. He, he walked the life that you couldn't if, live. If, if you want what you deserve, guess what? You're going to hell. Yeah. You're going to get it. That's right. What you need is to humble yes. yourself yes. Before and cry out for mercy and grace. Yep. Guess what He do? He, his Word says, 
You got it. Absolutely. Charleston right, Hill. All right, guys, we're, we're out of time. I mean, we've got to wrap this up. We th- thank you for listening, guys. I thank you for experience that we've had today. We'll share more about that as we go on because I know we, we've completely run out of time. We're running over. Just real quick, uh, Mike, will you, will you close us? Absolutely. Father, Lord, we are truly thankful just for this opportunity to come and to evangelize and share the gospel. Lord, we're all out here doing this work because you are worthy, Father. Uh, you're worthy because of the uh, your son, Jesus Christ, being sent to earth, Father, for for us uh, to, to pay for a penalty that he did not deserve. Father, to walk this earth and be perfect uh, and live a sinless life for in, in our place, Father, to, to be crucified, uh, Lord, when we should have uh, taken on that punishment. But you did so out of your great love for us. And your, your love shown is a love that uh, sometimes it's uncomprehendable, but Father, you've given us your word. You've given us uh, the blessings of, of your scripture, Father. And we follow that word because we love you, uh, Father. And, and we're thankful for that law, thankful for the blessings of the law that you've given us to show us that we ourselves are sinners in need of a Savior. And like Paul, Lord, we know that we have sinned and we have uh, we have disobeyed you. And so, Lord, we come to your, your son, Jesus Christ, and ask for forgiveness. Turn and repent of our sins. Father, grant each and every one of us repentance so that we may truly be saved. But we love you. We thank you for all you do. Thank you for these opportunities, these open doors, the conversations that have taken place today. Father, we pray that the seeds that have been planted, that you will continue to work in those lives, Lord, and uh, out of those seeds will come salvation, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.